In healthcare, there are many transformative leaders. The most remarkable leaders don't just dare greatly to drive improvements, they also care greatly. They bring compassion and humanity to the work of leading transformation. This is their podcast. In today's episode, I talk with Dr. Rhonda Collins, Chief Nursing Officer at Vocera Communications. After 15 years as a clinical nurse, nurse leader, and chief nursing officer, Dr. Collins joined the healthcare technology industry to help bridge the gap between technology innovations and nursing excellence. Based on her doctoral research and a deep passion for nursing, Dr. Collins is spearheading a movement to help bring awareness to the challenges of cognitive overload in clinical practice and to the ways in which technology can help to mitigate it. Dr. Collins is a leader who cares greatly. Welcome, Dr. Collins. Thank you so much for joining me today on Caring Greatly. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I'm glad we get to, to dig into this topic of cognitive overload. Uh, it's such an important topic and ties to issues like burnout that everyone's focusing on. But before we get into that, I want to give a, a little bit of a sense of your background. You worked as a clinical nurse for 15 years. How That's would you correct. describe that work? I, um, I started out as a labor and delivery nurse, fresh out of nursing school. I, uh, in fact, I worked nights on the weekend in labor and delivery as a, a nurse assistant, and um, I really fell in love with the work. I loved the patients and the families, and, but I also liked the very technical side of nursing as well. And so in a very short time, I ended up taking care of the very high-risk patients, uh, patients with abnormalities of pregnancy, um, whether it was high blood pressure or bleeding disorders. I, I really loved the sort of that combination of the, the technical, the science, the caring, the touching, and um, that's really where I just stayed put. Really loved it. That's such an important area of work and a difficult area of work because people have so much emotion invested around pregnancy and particularly when there's risk involved. So thank you for supporting those patients. Thank you. It was always my pleasure. <laughs> Why did you ultimately transition from clinical nursing to technology? Um, I started really on a management path. I was at a hospital that had actually a management mentoring program, which I don't see a lot of. And I really, I, I have to say it, changed my life as far as um, how I could manage, how I could progress in nursing, and how I really could continue to contribute to nursing. Um, labor and delivery is a very physical job. You have patients who are, you know, basically paralyzed from epidurals, so it's, it's, it's manual labor. You're turning patients and pulling and tugging, and after a while, your body starts to give out on you, <laughs> and so I, I was like, well, maybe I need, I wanted to stay with my hands in it, but I, I felt like physically it was starting to be a younger woman's uh, game. And so um, when the hospital came to me and said, we think you're a really good candidate for our management mentoring program, I was really excited about that. And uh, I, I had to go back to school. So typical of many, many nurses, I am not exclusive or unusual in that. And that I worked full time and I went to school full time. Mm -hmm. The thing that made me a little bit different is that I was living in West Texas and it was 180 miles or so one way to class. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I'd have to get up like at four o'clock in the morning and I would 
leave the house by five and sit in class from eight to five, two days a week, and then drive right back home and go to work the next day. And uh, I, I was put in the management mentoring program while I finished a bachelor's degree. And um, it was really a wonderful learning process. I was mentored by other nurse managers who were very seasoned in the hospital. I learned to manage and work P&Ls. I learned the financial side of healthcare. And, you know, I, I learned the always complex and always challenging job of managing people in very high risk and dynamic environments. And, and that, um, that brought you into leadership, but what yes. brought you into technology? Um, you know, labor and delivery is an interesting place because you have to use technology to monitor a patient you can't see. Mm -hmm. And so I had to spend a lot of time learning. And, and interestingly enough, uh, cardiac or EKG is, is very specific and it, it is very precise. Managing a fetal heart rate, uh, the patient unseen, is op it's open to interpretation or it's a subjective type of um, interpretation. And so I took many, many classes trying to understand when when the heart rate looks like this on the monitor strip what does that mean is happening inside the uterus and how does the mother contribute to that how does the position of the patient how do physiologic uh, parameters and indicators contribute to that and so you're always marrying up the mother's condition with the fetus condition and knowing that you absolutely cannot lay eyes on the second patient um, so that began my lifelong love for the benefits of technology at the bedside. So it was always something that intrigued me. And then, of course, as the technology got more and more sophisticated and we started integrating um, physiologic parameters with the, the fetal parameters. And then we started, um, you know, the smart pump technology started coming in and we were able to integrate medications with all of that. It was really something that, um, first of all, I saw as hugely beneficial. Second of all, I saw it as really making the bedside experience for the nurse very complex mm -hmm. because um, not all nurses felt the way I did. They, many of them felt that it was quite intrusive between the nurse-patient relationship. And, and it was always directly related to their discomfort with the technology right so from that i was like there has to be someone someone has to step up and say i want to be that person that closes the gap between the nurse and the technology at the bedside and and i that's really began my relationship with it that's that's excellent and fast forward several years and you're now the chief nursing officer at Vocera Communications, yeah. which is a clinical communication and collaboration platform. And I know a big area of your focus relates to what you just talked about, where people feel like that technology can be intrusive, particularly if it's not designed right, and, and particularly that it can contribute to uh, a challenge of cognitive load and cognitive overload that can already exist in a clinical environment. So can you talk about what is cognitive overload and why is it such an important topic for nursing today? Uh, absolutely. Cognitive load is basically something that we all have and we all carry with us and we all function with. And that's, you know, our, our basic abilities to listen, to pay attention, to parse information, to segment information. 
And all of us right now, you and I are going through that exercise while we talk. Um, it's unconscious most of the time. If, if your phone starts ringing or your doorbell starts ringing and it all converges at the same time, you will go into overload at the snap of a finger. Right. Um, because you're, you're at that point now trying to prioritize. And so that, that is something that when we understand that we all have eight core cognitive competencies, all of us are stronger in one than the other. Some of us are, some people really struggle with multitasking. Other people don't feel like they're being useful unless they're multitasking. I had a friend who was a, a CNO at one of the Kaiser hospitals, and we used to talk about this a lot. And she said, I think the best training for nurses before they ever go to nursing school is to be a waitress. <laughs> <laughs> you have to manage so many requests and demands and, you know, coordination and timing and table after table and the constant movement. And that really exercises all of those core capacities that we have, those, those cognitive capacities. Um, in nursing, we cannot control the kind of information, when the information comes to us or how it comes to us. Mm. We, we just have to absorb it and accept it. So if I have a patient who is not doing well, I have to layer that on. Right. If I have a family who's um, upset, urgent in any way, I have to integrate that then into my cognitive capacities. And our short-term memory lasts about eight seconds to at the most a minute. So when important information comes to you and you're overloaded, you do not have the time to imprint it. And mm -hmm. so it falls out. And because of that, errors happen, mistakes happen. Um, and, and our patients are compromised. And of course, there's always a second victim of the nurse or the physician right. who um, makes the mistake because they are just simply trying to do their job, but they're overwhelmed with the activities of the job on that particular moment. Right. And that's, that's such a difficult thing um, to deal with and, and probably a topic for a different discussion. But I want to shift into technology, because we've introduced so many technologies, as you described, even in labor and delivery, uh, but in so many different areas. And technology is neither good nor bad on the face of it, but can be designed in a way that contributes to cognitive overload or that helps to mitigate it. Can you talk about the role of technology and, and what helps it become a mitigating factor, something that helps manage cognitive load? Absolutely. Um, you know, when I, I left the bedside and I went into full on leadership and continued to see the, the progression of technology being integrated at the bedside. And then from there, working for technology companies, um, one of the things that always struck me was our interpretation sometimes of how the technology or the product is used um, in the relationship with the patient is totally divorced from how it's designed. Mm. And so I, I was really focused and always have been on how does this enhance the relationship with the patient? How do we make it easier for this clinician to do their job? Mm -hmm. um, I think that um, when I did my research for my doctorate, I was focused on, do nurses really find texting useful and <laughs> um, taking care of their patients? I mean, that, it was a simple question. And it's like, we were all so focused on it. It was like, well, I mean, what does the caregiver say about this? And it, it was interesting in that the response to it was lukewarm. 
Mm -hmm. um, the nurses said that unless everybody is on the same software platform using the same thing, um, the same nomenclature, if you will, of communication, it was not very useful. Um, nurses are still struggling with the notion of using a mobile phone at the bedside because of the, the hands required to manage it. Um, so I think there's a lot to understand still about it from a scientific and human use factor perspective, because what, what we assume in our daily lives, what makes our lives so much easier, which is a mobile phone. I mean, there's none of us that, that go without it. it it, it definitely smooths our path. I can, you know, after I talk to you, I can pick up my phone and make dinner reservations. Right. Or I can check my calendar or I can do any number of things. I don't even have to dial. I can just ask the helpful little lady inside my phone to call <laughs> this number or that number. And um, we assume that all of this translates easily to the patient care environment. And the interesting thing is that it doesn't. Right. Um, nurses and clinicians need specifically certain things. They need technology to carry the burden of memory. They need technology to sort and group, categorize information. So they don't have to hunt and peck. They can just look. They need technology to be usable when their hands are occupied. <laughs> they need to be able to use either voice or uh, not have to pull something out of the pocket to have it a wearable something that allows them to continue to function. I think also we're learning that with everyone being so digitalized with the EHRs, the, the health record is a very robust repository of information. It's mm -hmm. documentation. And now we're realizing that separate from that is the need to communicate. Right. The, the need to be able to have urgent communication. And I would class anything urgent that is either a, a code or a, a stroke team or anything like two I just need to get hold of a physician at this point in time because it's important. Right. And I think that enabling people just to do their job swiftly, easily, and without employing multiple platforms to put the information together is where technology is most beneficial. I think where it becomes burdensome is where um, we almost over-customize it. We, we give them so many choices or we give them so many... Um, drop down boxes, or right. we say it's this way with this patient, it's this way with another, or I can talk to this group of people on this software platform, <laughs> but now I have to go over to this one to talk to this group of people. That's where we complicate it. Um, and I think as as leaders and nurse leaders, I will speak for nurse leaders. Um, that's where we need to focus: is how do we simplify, remove the burden, and allow technology to carry the burdens that it needs to carry so that we can function in a more present way. Right. Right. Cause that human presence component is a piece technology will never be able to take over, but it never. can take over the task of, of remembering complex information, sometimes um, organizing complex information from multiple places, but only if the technology is designed to serve up the right information with context 
um, with the appropriate prioritization and escalation, which uh, obviously takes time. It's interesting, I was shadowing um, some nurses at a, a local hospital recently, and they were using uh, a technology platform to get their alerts and alarms um, and to communicate with their immediate teams. And that all made it very smooth. But the minute they had to speak to an off-service physician, they were back to multiple pagers and looking it up on pieces of paper and lists. Um, and that was where all of their frustration was coming from. So that right. idea of a unified platform um, is also really important. Um, so if, if that's the role that technology needs to play, how can organizations ensure that they're selecting and implementing technologies that help rather than hurt nurses' well-being and cognitive overload, and ultimately the ability of the entire care team to work together uh, towards serving the patients? Yeah, I was having this conversation with some chief nurses just, uh, just a few weeks ago, and we we had two schools of thought in the healthcare technology. One is heavily technical and one is heavily clinical. Um, neither will be successful without the other. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, there's been many papers, I've written papers on it, uh, about um, having a seat at the table and everybody making sure that they're speaking the same language and they're all trying to solve the right problems. Uh, one thing that I would point out is sometimes um, in healthcare, we tend to become very isolated in our thinking. We, we sort of end up in an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. When we look at information, we only look at healthcare information. We only look at how other hospitals did it. We only look at how our colleague did it, who is also in the same role that we are in. And um, not very often do we learn anything <laughs> because there's really smart people out there and they've already figured it out. Uh, I always encourage people to look outside your, um, your comfort zone, mm -hmm. look at business, look at big organizations, look at how they've done it, look at how they brought it all together to bring the different entities to the table, very disparate ways of thinking but business has done this for a long time. Read that which makes you uncomfortable mm -hmm. and, and sit and have the conversation with people who are using a language that you don't understand. Um, that's the only way that we learn. Um, you have to be able to say, I, I have to have a seat at the table. I have to have this conversation because the decisions that I make today are going to last for decades mm -hmm. for these people and this organization caring for these patients. And um, you want to make sure that everyone fully understands the workflow because developing the technology is one thing, applying it to how people really work is another thing. So what I'm hearing, if I read between the lines of that, is from a leadership perspective, first of all, it takes the humility to step into an area of discomfort or unfamiliarity, to ask the questions, to be naive, um, and know that you don't speak the technology or the other business language, but also um, a willingness to then go to the front lines and say, what is the real problem that we're trying to solve here? And what are the pieces that, that it looks like? And what do I not know, having been a little bit removed from that work for, for some period of time, about the way it works today and the assumptions that the current people in those roles make about technology, about caring, about um, the, the kinds of coordination that they need to make. Is that, is that fair? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And I think that um, for nurse executives, you know, their lives are so consumed with the os operational aspects of the hospital mm. that this can seem like a real burden to have to take on something new. And there is the tendency to move it off and hand it off to someone that they feel has more expertise in that. But um, I, I would encourage all of them to stay engaged for the conversation and until you understand what is happening and then you know always utilize those people around you who who are experts to guide you and give guidance the other the other resource you have are people like me who are still clinical people who work in technology right who who are very willing to engage and have the conversation and say you know you've done one or two implementations in your health system we've literally done thousands right and, and we know what you need to look for. We know what you need to do and how you need to prepare your clinicians. And, and I think that that makes a huge difference. I think we just need to um, shake off our reluctance to leverage all the resources that we have rather than staying again in, a, in the circle that feels the most comfortable. So what I'm also hearing there is, um, you know, a lot of people put a lot of thought into the selection of technology, but I heard you allude there to the idea that how you prepare people to embrace that technology, how do you make sure that that implementation goes smoothly once you've made that selection? Um, obviously, part of it is uh, bringing some of those people to the table while the decision is being made. <laughs> yes. That's number one. <laughs> and number two is... Um, giving adequate time for education mm -hmm. and, and not thinking, well, everybody has a smartphone or everybody knows how to talk to people. This will take five minutes. You're actually changing a paradigm of communication. You are creating a discipline around communication. I think that once people understand it and it enhances their role, then they're much more likely to adopt it. I, I also um, use the technology acceptance model when I was doing my research just on texting, the one criteria that outweighed everything else in the research was context. And what I mean by that is, does it fit within the context of my work? Right. Does it facilitate my work? Does it make my work easier? And if it doesn't, the chances of adoption are drastically reduced. So when you're evaluating technology and you're planning for implementation, you have to understand and plan for how does it enhance the work? How does it fit into the context of the work? Does it cause the work to be more complicated or does it ease the path or does it create extra steps or not intuitive steps? Right. Um, and be able to plan for and mitigate those. That's really, I think, what makes the difference is just understanding that context. Right. And then if you've made that selection, you also have the opportunity to communicate how things fit and communicate it, not as a, as a tool that stands alone, but as a component of the broader workflow. That makes that, a lot of sense. Right. That's so, exactly right. So if you look ahead, because um, healthcare is changing so rapidly, if you look ahead over the next three to five years, what's your vision for how healthcare will transform? Well, I think uh, merger and consolidation is going to continue at a rapid pace. Um, I think we're going to be a nation of, uh, you know, uh, a few large health systems. Um, I think that um, technology will continue to drive 
uh, not the consolidation, but the consolidation will drive um, the networking of technology. Right. I, I think that um, we will rely more and more on uh, technological solutions to help us manage uh, the ever increasing higher acuity of patients in the hospital. I do think that um, we've always struggled with um, ambulatory care versus acute care in the US. We've, we've always struggled with the mix of patients and how we manage and monitor those patients. I do think that technology is going to play an even greater role in the ambulatory setting. Um, and I think that um, probably most significant to this conversation is that patients are going to become absolutely more of a consumer and mm -hmm. they are going to uh, continue to direct more of their own healthcare using their technology such as mobile devices and smartphones and they are going to uh, search for their physicians, they're going to manage their own health record. Um, I think folks are getting much more comfortable with that now. I, I have my health record on my phone and I, <laughs> I um, manage the information and in all of my communication with my providers through my phone app. As do I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's and, it's uh, the way of the future. It absolutely is. I think that um, we haven't quite reached a point in the hospital where we're equipping patients with I'm starting to see the edges of it happen where we equip patients with these communication apps so they can have conversations while they're an inpatient. Mm -hmm. They don't just hit a call button and wait for somebody to answer. <laughs> right. Uh, they have a little more power and control. Um, so I think that all of those things are, are going to rapidly shift and equalize the healthcare system, if you will. And as you think about the kind of leadership that's going to help make that happen, what are the attributes of the leaders or the, the style of leadership or kinds of things you hope to see in the leader shaping this? I was in a conference a couple of months ago and they were talking about what the kind of CEOs that hospitals are looking for. And traditionally in the past, it's been more of a promotion from within and frequently physicians are moved into those roles with great leadership capabilities. But as they move to these very complex, consolidated uh, systems, they are more and more looking for strong business leaders. Mm. That, um, that is the focus of the future, is a very strong um, business leader with vision who understands the, the integration of growth and technology, who understands the integration of uh, growth and success. Um, and I think that that's going to be very interesting as we see that take shape. Um, I do think that leadership in healthcare systems is, we've, we've always focused heavily on um, the community where the, the facility is. And I think our communities are getting ever larger. Yeah. And they're getting ever more complex. And so it takes somebody who's quite the visionary and as someone who's willing to embrace the unknown to be able to lead through that sort of change because it is, it's vast and it's very dynamic. 
Absolutely. And my hope is that if, as those people uh, rise into prominence, they will continue to turn to clinical leaders such as yourself to make sure that they're not losing that essential perspective. So thank you for sharing that perspective with us today. You bet. I, it's, it's a real privilege. I, um, I, I have loved my entire career in healthcare, um, but one of the great privileges of working for Vocera is getting to meet amazing people who have done extraordinary things all over the world um, for the patients in their community. So I, I, I've learned so much from it. It's definitely made me a better person. Well, we, uh, we love being part of that, and hopefully that will be a mission that Vocera can continue to carry forward. Thank you so much, Rhonda. Thanks, Liz. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Caring Greatly podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher. For links to resources related to Dr. Collins's work, visit vocera.com slash podcast and click on her episode. This is Liz Bohm, Executive Strategist for Human-Centered Research at the Experience Innovation Network, part of Vocera. Thank you for caring greatly. Thank you.